coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. I think my poorest moment is being ashamed to go to school because you didn't have clothes. The hood is something different. You may grow up in the neighborhood. I grew up in the hood. In the past, you would be shocked to know that it is not your fault. You can eat all the right things and exercise every day and meditate every day. And I think that applies to adults too. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one, a nope. token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you today in the precious name of Jesus Christ. God, I just want to thank you for a small miracle that you had me the opportunity to witness as we were having a little get together for my wife's birthday. We sat down at the table at the restaurant and my four-year-old grandson said, I wanna pray, I wanna bless the food. And just to hear him bless the food in his own way, God, it shows that we're doing something right. We just thank you for the small miracles. We thank you for the small victories, God. God, we just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, lift up our guest today. Uh, you've given him gift to work on the human body, to fix, be a fixer of things that go wrong in the cardiovascular system in other areas. Lord, uh, that's a gift from you. It's a gift from you to use those utensils and those knives and the knowledge to heal the human body. Lord, we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. I just, just like to just add, you know, dear Lord, thank you for this invitation to join Bill and Odell. You know, I think we're on the same mission and you work in, in funny ways and amazing ways. So I think uh, you're behind this and I, I appreciate that. I ask this in Jesus name that we have a good conversation. Amen. 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 Odell, you still down to 50 pounds? No, no, no. 54, 54. When you oh, were... You know, when you were obese, don't like the word, but that's, I guess that's the definition that the insurance company gives you, Bill, that this little chart, and I never fit, fit on the chart, even from my early years, wearing Sears Husky pants back in the third or fourth grade. So, you know, the only time I kind of fit on the chart when I was playing high school and college basketball, you know, that's exercising every day, not, you know, eating pretty good, all those type of things, not for anything else, but we were just trying to play ball for the girls, Bill. The girls were the motivated in those days, sir. The girls were the motivation. Really? And did you dress accordingly and get your hair accordingly poofed up? Nah, like nah, nah, nah. In those days, we were poor, Bill. We were so poor, we couldn't even pay attention. We couldn't even afford the O and the R, so we were poor. We were poor Black people in the South, Bill. That's all we were doing, but we did the best we could with it, though. But we thank God for Jesus, and we thank God that how we start off in life doesn't always mean how one would end up in life. Amen. Amen. Do you, you recall your poorest moment? I think my poorest moment is being ashamed to go to school because you didn't have clothes or the clothes that you had was what we call hand-me-down clothes, clothes where somebody else had them and gave them to you and you would put the clothes on and they were too big, but they were okay. 
you know, or going in the refrigerator and didn't have much to eat or going in there and see an onion that sprouted or a um, tomato, no, not tomato, potato mm -hmm. that was in a crisper that sprouted, you know, because those type of things. Or Bill, going in the cupboard, or we called it the cabinet, and didn't have a matching set of um, cups. So you may have had a uh, Slurpee cup, you know, 7-Eleven's icy, icy cup, and you may have had another cup, plastic cups, and those were your cups. And being... Um, being embarrassed to invite friends over because you knew what they would see. And those are the type of things that fuel me now. When you look at it, just say, push, continue to push. But I also thank God for grace and mercy because everybody wasn't like leave it to be there or father knows best. And now when you really peek behind the curtain, a lot of that Hollywood script stuff wasn't real anyway but it sure looked real to me at that time in my life, sir. Hey, and what was your diet like back then? Uh, rice and rice and rice. We were in South Carolina and we were South Carolina Geechees. We still are South Carolina Geechees. And in South Carolina, you eat rice. I remember one time it was just so bad that we just, I don't know, we must've been going through a real, real bad spot. We started eating mush. I don't know if you know what mush is. Mush is boiled cornmeal. Um, and that's what my mother would give us, you know, and it would kind of go in your stomach, then explode. Right. So you weren't hungry, but boy, I guess the, the closest thing you could say to it today would be cream of wheat, mm. but cream of wheat is a refined type mush. Mush is something probably more akin to what slaves ate because remember food is still food. And it was just interesting. So at that time, those are the things that we ate to keep us alive. You know, Bob Evans served mush for a number of years. They don't do it anymore. They, uh, ah. it, it's basically, it was put like in a loaf of bread and hardened. Then you'd slice it like a piece of bread and then you put it on the griddle and get it warm and crispy. And then you'd serve it for breakfast with syrup and butter. That, that's a different type of mush, Bill. The, the time we had was you put it in the grits pot. Because in our house, we had a certain pot for rice called the rice pot. Then you had the grits pot. So those are the things that we grew up with. But thank God for Bob Evans. But for in the Cleveland household, it was mush, mush, and more mush. Yeah. Well, in, in Cleveland, Ohio, where I grew up in Parma, we ate mush too, but it was a different type of mush. We had hominy grits and mush. You know, I was thinking about, was I ever embarrassed for being poor? And the answer was no. I mean, we had this used clothes and used cars and used furniture and all that. Uh, the time I did feel it was, you know, as a young man growing up, uh, young boys were always hungry. I mean, it, we, we just finished eating and we got to have another meal. So when I would be invited over my rich friend's house, uh, they would have phenomenal food and I would just eat like a horse. And it, it didn't occur to me why they stopped inviting me. Uh, I think it was because I was eating too much. And, uh, okay. <laughs> and so don't invite that bill guy over again. He's going to eat our food. Uh, but you know, Hey, did, at Halloween, did you get candy and all that stuff too? Bill, I, Halloween was one of my favorite times of year. I'm sure that I, I didn't give Halloween up easily. You know, I hung in there and I probably was 16 when I gave Halloween up bill. And I'm sure I would go. Cause I was always big for my age. I'm sure some of the people would open the door and say, this is a grown man out there talking about trick or treat. So it was a big deal. And in our community, it was so important not to let someone snatch a bag because we had people in the community that you walk through and right at the end, you have all this candy and someone would come by and grab, snatch your bag and keep running. So, or someone would egg you and egg you mean take a, uh, a egg and throw it at you and hit you. So all kinds of stuff happened in the hood. Bill, the hood is something different. You may grow up in the neighborhood. I grew up in the hood. So it wasn't easy to walk around with candy in the hood. Nah, nah, nah. In the hood, the people in the hood were nice, but they didn't have the fancy candy. So we would go over to the white area in the apartments. They had the good candy bill. They had the chocolate bars and all that kind of stuff, man. You know? Yeah. We it is what it is, Bill. Same thing we used to have. I, I can remember, you know, hundreds of kids on a street, with, you know, and they're not, not all of them had parents going with them. It was us. And you didn't want to do it in Cleveland, in Parma, uh, you know, Halloween, you could get snow. 
and uh, oh wow, or rain. So you had to be careful with your your type of bag you had because if you had a paper bag and it got wet and you had a lot of candy in it, it would fall through the bottom and then you'd have no candy. And uh, so you had to get a spe- you know plastic bag, which was a premium back then. Uh, so we we did that, but we always knew where the good candy bars were. Yeah. And we try and go back to that three or four times. And uh, the way we would do it is we would, you know, I have seven other siblings who would go together. We'd rotate who would come up first and go trick or treat. So it didn't look like it was the same group. Hey, let's bring our guest in. Yeah, but you made a point, Bill. Let me hit one point before we bring the guest, please. I remember about a couple of years ago in the house we live in now, we're blessed to live in a very, very nice house. We have a very nice neighborhood. And it was some uh, black kids came to the house trick-or-treating and you knew that these kids didn't live in the neighborhood. And I remember opening the door and giving them candy. And this one little uh, young black boy looked, because you could see inside the house and he saw the columns and the uh, wooden floors and this beautiful staircase. And he said, oh my God, this is the kind of house the president must live in. And, and you know, and me and Bev talked about it later on because it's like, you don't think about it. I didn't think about it when I was young and poor growing up. It was just about candy. And that little boy looked in and to see black people open the door to this fabulous house. And all he can say is, oh my God, this must be the type of house that the president lives in. That that's something. That that's some that's some that's some powerful stuff. But back to our guest, Bill, because our guest would say all that trick-or-treat candy, that's probably the reason why American is obese right now. But let's see what he has to say. Dr. <laughs> Chris is going to be speaking at our Youth uh, Resilience Summit November 4th at GTCC. Folks, if you want to come to it, you can go to uh, www.youthofnc.com and you can sign up. We have a uh, guest speaker and then we have four breakout sessions, and then we have a lunch speaker, and then four more breakout sessions. And then Odell's going to do the close about four o'clock. So we'd love to have you attend. Uh, it's also going to be done via Zoom. So if you can't make it, you can zoom in on those breakout sessions that you want. So having done the advertising, Dr. Chris, come on in and introduce yourself. Well, I'm Chris Dixon. I'm a vascular surgeon in Greensboro. Uh, I've been here 26 years. I've got four kids, but my oldest daughter teaches first grade. And my youngest daughter, who has three kids now, was interested in children's wellness, actually worked at the Post Center in Raleigh, which helped schools with wellness. And basically, uh, I've been coming up on 40 years on a career in healthcare. And I'm ready to make the move to a career in children's wellness in a couple of years. So I'm just getting started. But I think children are hope for the future. And we're not just teaching, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, we're not just teaching the importance of nutrition, exercise, and stress management. We're talking about some important things like family, uh, the importance of friends, community, purpose, the workbooks with religion, because we don't want to turn off some people. But there is a spiritual component because you can eat all the right things and exercise every day and meditate every day. But if you don't believe there's a loving God who has a plan for you, I'm not sure you're going to be real happy. And I think that applies to adults, too. Well said. Wow. Well said. Wow. So, so Chris, do you mind me calling you Chris? Doctor? Absolutely. Please. Okay. And I don't mind if you call me Odell Cleveland, the good looking black guy. So we're okay. okay. We're okay with that. Okay. okay. So Chris, think about it. So when you start dealing with the spiritual aspect that you mentioned, and we'll get, we'll return to that, but the physical aspect, the mental aspect, and the emotional aspect, I always, for me, and, and, and I don't like to talk about it, but I'm getting freer to talk about it because it helps a lot of people. I didn't really understand the emotional part of being overweight, being obese. I didn't understand that. I would laugh about it, not laugh about it, but make jokes, Odell Cleveland, da, 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 because I didn't want to deal with it. But as I started to lose weight and started to be able to slip back into an extra large and people like extra large, yeah. But when you were up to 4X, slipping back into extra large is important. 
because I would always go places and events and people like, hey, uh, let me give you a T-shirt. And I would ask, they would say, what size do you need? And I would lie like most people, ah, a 3X instead of 4X. And they said, well, we don't have that size, but the largest we have is an extra large or 2X. And I would always get these T-shirts and take them home and put them in the closet. Well, years later, now I'm sitting here wearing uh, extra large shirts and stuff. And I didn't understand the emotional part of it. Because the emotional, psychological part of being unhealthy is a big deal. And I think that's where we don't want to face it as Americans that we are obese. And I'm not trying to be hypocritical. It's like, hey, Odell, yesterday you were weighing 500 pounds. So you lose a pound. Now you're the expert. I'm not the expert. But what I do know is what I know about how I feel. So Chris, can you help with that part of it that we don't talk about? Because yeah, we know the physical part and we know the health part, but the psychological and emotional part, that's part of healthcare also, or is that considered mental health? Well, a, a couple of points there. Number one, um, you'll be shocked to know that if you were heavier, I mean, you're obviously this incredibly handsome black gentleman now, but- I like you already, Chris, <laughs> I like you, my man. But if you were overweight in the past, uh, you would be shocked to know that it is not your fault, believe it or not. Um, and in the in the summit, I'm going to talk about kind of my journey to, to children's wellness, what our program is about. And then at the end, I'm going to focus a little bit on nutrition because basically because of what's happened in the food industry, um, it's almost okay, impossible. Now, 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 doctor, the cereal people are going to come after you, the cereal mafia. The, yeah. the Frosted Flakes Mafia is going to come after you. So we got to get Bill to protect you because Bill can protect yeah. you. Yeah, I'm pretty fearless at my age now. But, <laughs> but um, you know, it was kind of the perfect storm when, when processed food for convenience came out. Um, it, the science is it's high in omega-6. And then at the same time, we were told that high fat food was bad for you. So I remember when I was a kid, everything had to be low fat. So there was low fat Pop-Tarts, low fat waffles. Well, the food industry realized that if you take out the fat, it doesn't taste good. So they added a ton of sugar. So processed food, high omega-6, lots of sugar, insulin fed this pathway to inflammation, which resulted in diabetes, obesity, all these things. It wasn't anyone's fault. And the, the fix is easy, which we'll talk about. Um, it's just making better choices. But to answer, you know, about the emotional aspects, absolutely. You know, I think one of the biggest problems that kids probably have is isolation. And that's one of the things we emphasize is socialization, the importance of your family, the importance of friends. Um, and if you don't feel good about yourself, then, you know, that's, that's where you have to start. We have, we have seven guiding principles. And our very first principle is love yourself and love others just as they are, which is unconditional love, the greatest commandment. But the point is, if you don't love yourself, you're not going to be happy. And if you don't love others and accept people as they are, even though they're different, and thank God they're different, or this world would really not be too exciting, you'll never have the social connections that you need for support. You all have challenges. And if weight is a challenge, then you know that's what I hope to help kids with. But man, it's hard to eat healthy in this country, um, but it, you can do it. Um, and I hope to help kids learn how to do that. How did you get on this, Doc? Um, well, like I said, I've been in the, the healthcare business uh, for a long time. Um, but I've known all along that, that our system is broken. We have it all backwards. We, we wait till you get sick. And then we spend all our resources and effort on trying to fix you. And actually, we're pretty good at it most of the time. But that's completely backwards. It's amazing what people can do if you have a heart attack, but wouldn't it be better just to not have a heart attack? Um, wow. And I'm not sure that wow. it's sustainable. So ba basically I've always been interested in wellness. I try to help my, my patients who are typically elderly, but they're stuck in their ways and they're the ones who need help with wellness. I mean, there's some people out there that get the whole wellness thing, but a lot of people don't. And I found them really hard to help. And then it just kind of dawned on me man, if we could get at kids before they have all these preconceived notions, before the food industry gets to them, before they get cell phones, before, you know, everyone else gets at them, if the parents, and probably the parents more than anyone and the teachers can get at them, 
we can we can avoid this mess that that we as adults are in because I can tell you we're it's it's uh, our, it's a mess right now. We got to start taking better care of ourselves, and I think we got to get at the kids early um, so they can avoid this. And then the beauty of that is if they learn these basic principles, guess what? They're going to grow up and teach their kids, yeah. and then those kids are going to and then they're going to teach their kids. So I'm trying to get in at the ground level and. Um, you know, I think we could make a real difference in the world. And, you know, I know that another thing that you all are, are obviously interested in is bringing people together. That's part of what we're teaching with this wellness program is, you know, we teach them nutrition, exercise, stress, you know, we teach them to meditate and this type of thing. But at the same time, we teach them that you need to use your talents to help others and that it's important to have friends. Um, and it's important to belong. Um, Another thing I, we teach them, which I think is really cool, is we teach them it's it's cool to be smart. You know, it's fun to learn and it's cool to be smart. You're not a nerd if you if you like learning. And if you set kids up with that attitude that I want to spend the rest of my life learning, you know, that's going to set them up for success. So um, it just seems like getting kids onto the wellness is uh, could have a lot of potential. You know, as, as I grew up, and I, I can't speak for Odell, but I suspect it's the same. We, we didn't grow up uh, thinking about preventive maintenance for our bodies to keep ourselves healthy. You know, I work, I own a training company and we treat, we teach preventive maintenance for machines so they don't break down, they keep running efficiently. In order to do that, you have to do another number of things. Uh, but if you, if you use the wrong oil on a machine, it's going to break down faster. And the same thing with food. Uh, if you start putting a bunch of junk in us, uh, we're going to break down faster. Our body isn't designed for that. So how do you get, you know, kids at an early age to not think about preventive maintenance? I don't know if that's, but the parents should be thinking that, but how do you get kids to want to have those healthy foods? And uh, so that, you know, it's a half, <laughs> excuse me, I have a little cough. It's a habit uh, as opposed to, well, what's in the refrigerator and let's go down to the grocery store and get all the sweet things that I like. Well, um, you know, in our workbooks, um, the kids travel around to these different islands and have a blast outside. Um, and in terms of nutrition, our, our guiding principle for that is to fuel your body with the nutrients that it needs. And, you know, we teach them the things that are going to make them feel better, think better and be able to do fun stuff. The same thing with exercise. You know, we, we want them to get outside and do stuff. We want them to put down their cell phone, put down their game controller and get outside. And if you're outside, you're getting exercise. You're either walking, biking, swimming, playing basketball, playing soccer, uh, working in the garden, you know, whatever we want kids outside and we want to get at, we want to teach them early, you know, what it is that their body really wants. You know, it, it's really simple. If you think about it, our body is made up of cells. And if you give our cells what they need, they'll function normally. You know, your pancreas makes insulin. If you give your, if you feed your pancreas cells the right stuff, they'll make insulin. If you don't, you, you know, you'll have diabetes. Our brain, normally we should be happy. Our brain cells make serotonin and dopamine, which makes us happy. It's not normal to be depressed. It's not normal to be anxious or to have ADD. But if you give your, your cells what they need, they will function normally. And if you eat a Twinkie, you're not giving, you know, what your cells need is protein, carbs, and fat, uh, micronutrients like vitamins, minerals, and trace elements. That's what it needs. But if you give it, you know, yellow dye number three and trans fats and sugar and fat, your cells aren't getting what they want. And just like, um, you know, Odell was saying, when you, it has a lot to do with your gut flora. If you, if you eat the right stuff, you'd be amazed how quickly you will lose the cravings for the other things because it changes your gut flora. Your, your intestine is lined with billions of bacteria that talk to your brain. And when you eat the junk food, the Twinkies, the cereal, all that stuff, I, you know, we all know, I, I, I know too your, your brain wants more, you know, you never get enough cereal. I don't know that I've ever eaten one bowl of cereal. <laughs> um, but when you change the gut flora by eating the right things, your, your intestine talks to your brain and you want 
the good stuff. Um, so I, I find it, I eat pretty healthy now. I, I didn't obviously my whole life. It's, it's actually in the last few years that I've really kind of gotten it together, but um, I don't really crave the other stuff and I feel really good. And I think most people who get on it, just like Abel was saying, when you get on the right diet, you feel, you feel good. You feel good about yourself. Um, so, you know, it's just so important. It's not easy. No, quite. It's not an easy thing, but well, you know, you know, doc, you're right. The, everybody wants to snack at times, you know, you get a little, you get that munchie and you want to snack. So kids go and grab potato chips or a Twinkie or whatever it is, but it's just as easy to go grab a carrot or an apple or a peach or a piece of fruit, you know, something like that. Um, and it's just a matter of habit in which, which your parents shop for and put in the refrigerator and get you used to. Yeah. Your parents are the gatekeepers. They decide. Yep. But, um, you know, nutrition is a, is a very controversial topic because everyone argues about a lot of different things. You know, do you eat eggs? Some say no. Some say just the white. Some say, oh, no, you have to eat everything, you know, meat, no meat, all these things. But there's one author, Michael Pollan, who really sums up in seven words everything that we agree on and what no one can argue against. And that is eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Eat food, meaning real food, not processed food. Because processed food has been stripped of its nutrients. It doesn't have those things that your cells need. Not too much. We eat way too much. You don't have to eat all the time. You don't even really have to snack. Um, and then mostly plants. And the, the, it's, you know, that the science behind that is overwhelming. So basically all we teach the kids is we teach them to, to fuel the body with the nutrients that it needs, which is mostly plants, you know, vegetables, um, fruits, nuts, legumes, whole grains, seeds. You can make vegetables taste amazing. And number two, which I think is probably even more important, we teach them to eat mindfully. I think in our culture, we don't even pay attention to what we eat. You know, when the Italians Man. sit down and eat, yeah. Chris, you've never lied. You have never lied because it, that's a black term, Chris, for amen. When I say you never lie, that's a black term for amen. That's what the black church. So I was trying to be quiet, but you're preaching now and I'm a new convert. So, you know, when you're new, when you're new in Christ, you're excited about everything in the word. So when you're new in this food thing, trying to stay alive, because yeah. I remember in the office, Bill, it's a young lady. I used to go to her office because she had these M&M, these little miniature M&M bags in her office, you know, we have candy. So I go in there and I walk in and I grab one and open it. They had about five or six M&M with peanuts in it, my favorite. And I'd eat it. And then I'd talk to her just long enough to finish that bag. Then I put it in the trash can. And on my way out, I would grab about four or five more packs. And then I would come to my office, sit down and just eat them. Chris, I wasn't even hungry. I wasn't even hungry. I just did that to do it without even thinking about it. So I apologize for interrupting you, preacher, but you're preaching to the choir right now. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I used to get have ice cream every night and I, I would always go back for more. And I just felt like, I, you know, I couldn't live like. But once you break that habit, it's it's easy. Um, and like I said, once you start fueling your body with the stuff that it really wants, you're not going to crave the other thing. The other thing is, you know, and I, this probably falls on the parents. And I think that's where the real challenge is going to be you set up an environment where it's easy to succeed. Um, and, and the other thing is I'll say is, you know, kids respond. My daughter teaches first grade. One of her students, her parents own an Italian bakery in, in Greensboro. And, you know, so she would come in with these nice Italian desserts. And then they got the lesson on, you know, eating plants. And, you know, one of the little exercises, I think they learned about carrots. Well, now she comes in every day with this big, huge carrot in her lunchbox. So kids respond. Adults yeah. are really tough. But now's our chance to get at them. Well, Chris, so when you say what I think I hear you say, and I don't want to assume anything, you're not promoting that people become vegetarians or help me understand what you're saying and what you're not saying. So I listen to the audience won't get confused, sir. Exactly. I'm, I'm promoting what Michael Pollan said, which says eat food. So real food, not processed food. And what that translates into is you have to cook. So that's the one thing you had going for you in your youth. At least it was cooked food and not gotcha. processed food. Wow. Uh, so eat food, not too much. I think we can all agree on that if you look at the obesity in our country. 
Um, and, and, and it's easier to do than you think. Uh, nutrition is a whole separate topic. That's why I hope to cover it a little bit at the summit. And, and number three, mostly plants. But I'm not saying don't eat meat, don't eat fish, don't go celebrate Halloween. Don't do, I'm, that's not it. Life is too short not to have celebratory foods and to enjoy life. But in general, and if that's too much to remember, then I would just say eat mindfully you know, pay attention to what you're eating because we don't even pay attention to what we're eating. So I'm, pr I'm pretty much a vegan. I'll eat a little Bill, bit. Of we lose him? No, he's here. Yeah. Go ahead. You're a vegan. Yeah. yeah. Well, pretty much, but I don't judge anyone and everyone thinks just because I'm interested in nutrition and I, you know, I'm interested in wellness that I judge. I don't, I'm, I'm not here to judge anyone. Um, but it works for me. I, I can tell you. Uh, and I think, um, Odell was talking about his son. Um, I had a, when I was kind of slowly getting into the, the whole, you know, veg, realizing how, how amazing vegetables make you feel. I, I started changing my diet and he, he was in an age where he, he just wasn't feeling good about himself. He was overweight. And he said, you know what, dad, that's just not me. I, I'm a meatitarian. I just eat meat. And I'm just like, I'm not forcing anything on anyone. Um, well, anyway, he likes to, to, to dive and he set up this little trip where he got to go do uh, a little thing on marine biology and he forgot one thing and that was that girls were going to be there. So here he is getting a bunch of exercise and he just start, started watching what he was eating for this two weeks and he lost, you know, a significant amount of weight and he, he came back a new person. He felt better about himself. Um, he had more confidence and he realized, you know, maybe the old man was right. There's something to this. Food. Yeah. And, and if you're yeah, the other thing I'll recommend, um, Odell, if you're if you're really interested in the nutrition, there are a ton of good documentaries out there that will just rock okay. your world. They will keep you motivated. Um, okay. uh, you know, what you know, just a couple just to get you started. Uh, fat, sick and nearly uh, and almost dead uh, was one of the early ones I saw that made me realize the impact of vegetables have not just on your health, but on your mind. I mean, how this guy's brain changes, um, getting on the right nutrition is just stunning. Uh, a more recent one is the game changers because everyone wants to tell you, Oh, if you're vegan or vegetarian, you don't get enough protein. Uh, all I got to say now, I don't have to argue with them and explain it to them. I just say, watch the game changers, uh, world's strongest. The first one, the first the first one was, one Fat, sick, and nearly dead. And, and it's a great okay. story. Um, it's a guy from Austria who goes around juicing, but he ends up crossing paths with someone who's a lot sicker than he was, and he ends up helping him. So it's a, it's a good story. But gotcha. if, you watch, if you watch the movie, pay attention to his mental, you know, his, his, you know, how well he's functioning mentally at the start of the movie and at the end, and it will, it will get your attention. Got it. So fat, sick, and nearly dead, game changers. And what's the third one? Oh, there's a bunch. Um, food matters. Um, uh, for children, uh, what, the health, what the health is good. I mean, they, they, once you start watching them, you'll, they'll lead you to other ones. But they're eye-opening. Uh, and, and in terms of- for you. Pardon? Okay. Question for you. Yeah. All right. One of the things that we've learned, Bill, uh, Chris, I think we learned, and maybe we don't know what we're doing, it's more expensive to eat healthy than it is not to eat healthy. That's one of the things that, uh, but I, I understand now on the back end, but it costs you more in the end. So I, I get that. I'm just saying to the average person, when you go buy certain fast foods uh, places and three for $5 or one for 90, all you can eat, all this kind of stuff. Help me with that, Chris. Why yeah. are they so I preach a sermon to say, I preach a sermon that's that's entitled, Why is so expensive to be poor? Why is it so expensive to be poor? And food falls right into that also. That's a that's a huge point, and you're right, but I think there is a potential solution. You're right okay. that it's unfortunately you can get a lot more food at McDonald's for five bucks than you can get, you know, at the store. Um, to make something healthy there, and that's it, it's amazing how how they can do that and but the problem is what you're eating the, right. the potential the potential solution is and and my my angle is I'm not saying don't eat meat but I'm saying eat a lot less meat and more vegetables and meat's what's really expensive I, I my grocery bills really 
not expensive at all um, because I'm, I'm spend 90, 90% of my time in the produce department getting vegetables and things, but you have, I'm not, what I'm not about is making people eat healthy because they think it's healthy, but they don't really like it. I force myself to eat a salad because I know it's good. I can tell you having been pretty much vegan for years now um, that you can make some amazing meals with nothing but, you know, grains and, and nuts and seeds and vegetables and things. And so I think maybe the solution, and I don't know the, how to get there, but if we could teach the, the people who don't have the resources to eat healthy, to cook, um, and it's coming. I mean, there's a lot of, there's culinary medicine now and, and there's, there's a lot of programs to teach people how to teach people to cook, but you can, you can make a very healthy meal for pennies, but you got to learn how to do that. Well, Doc, now, Chris, before, right. before Bill jumps in, real quick question now. Venison, meaning that deer, rabbits, because Bill and myself go hunting a lot. And, you know, Bill kills more than Odell kills, but every now and then Odell will, uh, will get one. So later on, we're going to have to see if there's a wild game, healthy um, menu recipe out there. Bill, would, go ahead, my friend. I would, I would just, let me answer that real quick. I would, you know, it's eat food, not too much, mostly plants. I would call the, the rabbits and the, and the deer that you're uh, hunting real food, as opposed to the, if you go get meat in the store, um, you know, some of that's, you'd be surprised what's there, but so if you're going to, you know, I think that's fine. <laughs> Good. You know, I think, you know, one of the interesting things is my, my daughter is vegan and, uh, gluten is tough on her and my wife's gone vegan <clears throat> and I cook in the house and I was never taught how to cook that way. And so for me, I don't know what, what to put together to taste good other than the things I was taught, you know, like making a steak, making chicken, making pasta, making chili, uh, in salads, you know, we can make a salad, but I don't know how to make, uh, put grains and vegetables together to taste good. And if someone would teach me, I, I could probably do, I definitely could cook it. It's just that I don't know what mixes with what to taste good. Is there a place you can go to learn that? Well, I, I do, uh, we do what's called purple, you know, there's all these meal services and purple carrot is a vegan one. And you can choose what meals you want. You can skip weeks. You, you know, we usually choose three meals a week. Um, it's, it's probably saves you money because you're not buying a bunch of stuff and then not using the ingredients. Um, but that's one way to learn if you can, if you can afford to do that. And it's not real expensive, but the meals are absolutely amazing you, and they're, they're vegan. Now, it's short good. of having a meal service. I think you, you got to get on the internet uh, and figure it out. Well, I will say this. I've been to, a, I, I've been interested in nutrition for a long time. I, I go to a meeting in California. That's the, the uh, Culinary Institute of America combined with Harvard Nutrition Science. So basically they, their whole mission is how do you make healthy food taste good? So you get to hang around with these chefs and they're like, like, you don't need a bunch of meals to cook for your family. These, these chefs who are like big time chefs, they, they have four or five meals that are their go-tos. So if you can do, you know, you know, like a Caribbean bowl would be sweet potatoes, rice and beans with some mango salsa, you know, you just need to find three or four meals that are your go-to and, uh, and learn how to do it. You know, the bottom line is get in the arena, get in the kitchen and start cooking. That's how you learn. Well, that's how I learned how to cook to begin with. You're right. The, yeah. uh, are there any good uh, vegan restaurants in the uh, triad area that you could recommend? Well, um, downtown crafted the art of taco. She's a, that chef is the real deal. She's like an amazing chef and pretty much everything on the menu has a vegan option, whether it's fish, chicken, pork, beef. Next door was a place called Radici, which was strictly vegan, and they were very successful for a while, and then something happened, and they're now gone, but the food was amazing, and you couldn't get a reservation there, but I think there were, there were issues where they're gone, but um, it's coming. I, I'm a, I, I really like the, uh, the Beyond Burgers and the Beyond Meatballs. They're, they're amazing, and um, you know, everyone wants to argue that they're not good. I don't know. Try one. See what you think. They're really easy to cook. Um, and I got onto those cause if, you know, not everyone in my family's, uh, vegetarian or so on, you know, if you're cooking out on July 4th, you, you didn't want to be the outcast. So you throw a, a beyond burger on the grill with everyone else. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I've cooked those at uh, cookouts for my nieces and my daughter. And, you know, I sampled it. It, it it's, uh, it tastes just like a hamburger or a hot dog. Meatballs, the meatballs yeah. are the same thing. You know, you know, that's, there's an easy meal right there. Cook some, uh, some beyond meatballs with a little pasta and a vegetable or a salad. Boom. Yeah. I've used those, uh, for cooking and it's amazing. Uh, you can't, you really can't tell the difference in taste or texture or anything. Yeah. And then I also picked up uh, a vegan at Sprouts, a vegan uh, chili and another thing. And it was made with all plant food. And I thought, I'm going to give this a try. It was absolutely, it was very good. Okay. Another one, there's a jackfruit. It's a really interesting fruit. It's a huge, it's almost like the size of a basketball, except oval. And it's sweet. You know, you can buy it in the freezer section to juice, but it's also like a meat substitute for vegans. And they have a jackfruit barbecue. And I've had jackfruit barbecue sandwiches that are, they're really good. So there are options. <laughs> That's interesting. The, uh, now I'm, I'm going to change subjects on you here from food to scuba diving. I understand you have a passion for going under the water. Yes, sir. Tell me. about. Um, well, I got certified uh, like way back when I lived up in New England, up in Maine, freezing water, uh, oh, yeah. but I wouldn't go. Um, you know, I'd go 10 years without going and then I'd go and then, you know, so very inconsistent. So my, my boys now are old enough that they, they dive. And I said, look, we're going to go every single year because that, that you can't, it's dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And uh, so we go to Key Largo and they have a really outstanding training facility for Patty. So every, you know, we started taking two or three courses. We're kind of running out of courses to take, but every year we go, we take courses and get, get good at it. And, um, you know, it, it just, it, it's an amazing world under there. And once you know what you're doing, you know, we've done a lot of shipwrecks and, and seen a lot of great stuff. Uh, our whole third grade workbook um, is about saving the ocean. So they learn all kinds of underwater stuff. It's, it's a workbook I really, I really enjoy. Um, but they basically, you know, learn about wellness, but they, they build this reef, this spectacular reef, um, and learn about all these creatures down there. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. It's hard not to believe in God when you, when you go scuba diving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I've, I've done scuba diving. Uh, Odell, have you ever done scuba diving? No, 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 Bill. We grew up in the projects, man. The best thing we did is in the Creek, you know, <laughs> swimming underwater with your eyes open. That's the only scuba we had, man. You know, anything that's expensive, Bill, that's why we play basketball. We didn't play golf or tennis, anything that was cheap. We were on it. Well, you know, we go on vacation with our wives and we've been going to the places that they've identified that you and I will have fun at, right? <laughs> yes. And uh, so maybe we ought to do the Caribbean sometime and you and I go out and do some scuba diving, get you, get you, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, resort certified. That means you only go down 20 feet. So you basically do the, uh, do the reefs, which is spectacular because you get to see a lot of fish and things. Well, that's a good idea because, you know, I'm thinking and I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm dumb, but I ain't stupid. I know the difference between snorkeling and scuba diving, but you know, it's interesting, Bill, when you think about it, Chris is a vascular, make sure I said right, board certified vascular surgeon. So you are a cardiologist? No, uh, no, one, don't, don't feel bad, Odell. No one knows what a vascular surgeon is, um, okay. truly. <laughs> Um, I work on all the blood vessels in the body besides the heart. So I work gotcha. on the aorta, the carotids, you know, bypasses in the legs. No one knows what we do. <laughs> you know, but we so, work on blocked arteries. So when we see people with blue veins in their legs. What does that mean? Well, I mostly work on arteries. Um, arteries are pumping the blood to the organs and down to your feet. The veins, um, are bringing the blood back to your heart. And they're, they're not so serious, but the, the reality is 75% of adults have vein problems because we spend our whole life fighting gravity. So um, they're very common. You're gonna see a lot of people with spider veins and varicose veins, but that's usually not serious. I do, I, I do that some too, but for the most part, we're treating blocked arteries from a lifetime of you know smoking or poorly controlled blood pressure, diabetes, that type of thing. Yeah. So Bill, yeah, Chris I got was nice and saying, Bill, Chris was nice and saying, Odell, you don't know the difference between a vein and an artery. No, they didn't teach us that in the projects, the difference between veins and arteries. Go ahead, Bill. No, I, I under, it was a good question. I, I, I would have asked it, but something happened to my family just recently. 
And the only reason I kind of know what he's saying, my younger brother had to have a stent put in his leg. And I never heard of stents being put in his leg. So I asked him what happened. And he said he had hardening of the arteries and had blockage. And he said, when he walked, it hurt. He couldn't walk far. And if you have hardening of the arteries in a leg, does that move to other parts of your body? No. Um, if you have a clot in a vein, which is carrying the blood back to your heart, that can move to your heart and lungs. So that's like a pulmonary embolus if someone <clears throat> has a blood clot that goes okay. to their lung. Uh, arteries build up plaque and it, it limits so, the blood flow. Now, they and sometimes little debris can you know, embolize or break loose and go downstream. But for the most part, the arteries are narrowing down. So when you're, when your family member hurt, when he walks, it's because his muscle wasn't getting enough blood flow because the artery was narrowed. Got it. Yeah. So the, uh, I'm on a statin, been on a statin for, I don't know, 15, 16 years. Uh, in our family, we, we, we make cholesterol. We don't, you can eat what you want, but you don't, it's always, we make it. And, uh, boy, did that, statin dropped my uh my cholesterol count holy cow yeah everyone's pretty much pretty much everyone's on a statin these days um but you know and and the data is if you have blocked arteries the data is pretty strong that you should probably be on a a low dose aspirin and a statin Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know there are a lot of things you can do for your cholesterol you know in terms of nutrition and exercise and things um so yeah, it didn't, it didn't occur until late, later in life. You know, I'm 73 going on 73 and uh, it didn't occur probably till I was in my fifties uh, or yeah, fifties, late fifties. Uh, and it just, just occurred. And uh, I was like, holy cow, what's going on? And I thought I attributed it to exercise because I used to run a lot and I gained some weight and I thought, well, maybe it's a combination of all that. So, uh, but anyhow, the uh, it's interesting how the body, uh, when you don't take care of it and do the exercise as a young man that you did before. Uh, yeah. The good news is the, the, the body has an incredible ability to heal. So if you, if you start taking care of it, you'll, you'll be amazed, you know, don't ever give up and think it's too late. It's never too late. Um, it's good advice. That's good. Yeah. Advice. Yeah. I plan on, I have a little uh, knee issue. I'm going to get taken care of. And uh, when that happens, I'm going to start going out and doing some more jogging and running and getting my heart good. up. So the, uh, well, we're getting near the end of our time. Odell, do you want to add anything before we start? Yes, Chris, you know, it's something. First thing, let me just say you are amazing. I appreciate what you're doing. And now I have a better understanding. Um, It's just one of those things that I, I'm over here at a church, East Greensboro, and we have been pleading and talking and trying to convince the local healthcare system uh, that East Greensboro, certain zip codes, uh, people are using the ED or some would say um, emergency room as their primary care physician. And I'm trying to convince many presidents of these large uh, healthcare institutions that the money that you're losing at one time in one zip code, we showed close to $19 million that the local institution is losing and they call it self-pay, meaning that, well, they don't have insurance, but they're gonna self-pay and people, poor people don't self-pay, don't pay. So what are you gonna do, ruin their credit? There's no credit to ruin, that's done years ago. So, and two zip codes over here. So it was 16 million out of one and 18 million out of the other. And I just said, guys, let's partner with this faith community over here to try to do the preventive things and also do the things that when sister so-and-so comes out of the hospital, um, you know, people can go check on her or make sure they're taking them prescriptions and they're doing the walks and they're doing the stuff like that. And they said, yeah, Odell, this is good. We like you, we like you, but just you stick to the religious part. Let us stick to this part over here. And that was years ago, but I haven't stopped. And it's been five years and I'm an advocate for that. And I will continue to be an advocate for it. And I believe that it's gonna happen. And not because it's the right thing to do always, because probably economically, what I was saying and what I keep saying to them, they see it to be true, that listen, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And what you're talking about, um, 
makes all the difference in the world. Bill, maybe they wasn't paying me no attention when I was talking about health care in East Greensboro because they'd look at me and say, Odell, you advocated for health care and you weigh 99 million pounds. So now that I've lost a pound or two, Bill, they might listen to me now. But let me say this. We are South Carolina Geechee, right? And we used to say, you dig in your grave with your teat. And let me explain what that means. And I'll say it again slowly. You dig in your grave with your teat. And Chris, what that means, Bill, what that means, Odell, what that means, audience, what I'm saying is, we would say, when one digs a grave, they use a shovel. Well, South Carolina Geechee says, you're digging your grave with your teat, meaning teeth, that you're eating yourself to death. So I think that America, in its own way, is eating itself to death because we're digging our graves with what we put in our mouth. Chris, I wanna partner with you. I'm sure Bill would like to partner with you. I wanna buy a couple of your workbooks and your books for my grandchildren. Now, the good thing about it is that my, grand, my son and my adorable daughter-in-law, and we say daughter in love, that they are giving kids for desserts and stuff, they're giving them grapes and strawberries and fresh fruits. And it's like, wow, that's just different. So they don't know anything about a Snickers bar, Bill. They, they know about ice cream, but ice cream is, to Chris's point, celebratory, is not normal. So these kids, it's like, you want a cake? No, no, I want grapes. You know, I want grapes, grandma. I want stuff like that because this is what they've been used to and this is what they're doing. And they are just as healthy as they can be. And it's amazing. The whole thing is just amazing. I know I went on a big old tyrant, but I could do that from time to time. And since I've <laughs> lost a pound or two, now I think I'm cuter. So you know how it is, Chris. You know how it is, Bill. So that's all I wanted to say. Well, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. Well, Chris, you get the last word. How do you find your common ground? Well, um, I mean, there's got to be certain things that we agree on, and we just got to start there. I, I think everyone's going to agree that children are our greatest resource and that we all want to take care of them. And, um, you know, I think that's where the challenge is going to be because the parents may not all be on board with it. They, they're used to feeding things that are convenient and it, it's, a, it's a change, but we got to start with the common ground that we owe it to the kids. Um, and at the same time, you know, with like this Youth Resilience Summit, hopefully the adults will learn a little bit about wellness too, because if you want to help these kids, you got to be on your A-game too. So you got to take care of yourself. So you're in a position to help others. Amen. Well said. Well said. You know, uh, uh, we appreciate you being in the summit. We appreciate you being on our podcast. Uh, and uh, the, uh, we look forward to getting you on the again to talk about health for kids particularly as you move into this new field that you're going into sure well i appreciate you having me it's a great opportunity find bill and odell online at the commonground.show this podcast is a production of bg ad group darren sutherland executive producer jeremy powell creative director jacob sutherland director all rights reserved this podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. This podcast is proudly sponsored by... Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 Chief Financial Officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PNL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com.